Galatians chapter 6 and verse 7 says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, that, whatever he sows, that, he shall also what? Reap. Whatever a man sows, that, that he sows, he shall also reap. How many knows that when you sow a seed, you get more than a seed back? <laughs> but whatever you sowed is what you're going to get back. So I say it this way sometimes. If you sow a smile, you usually get a smile back. If you sow a hug, you'll get a hug back. Are y'all ready for this? If you sow a house, you're going to get a house back. If you sow a car, you're going to get a car back. If you sow in Wisconsin a cow, you're going to get a cow back. <laughs> but more than a cow, you'll get a herd. Because every seed has the potential of many more seeds. But after its kind, God will not be mocked. Whatever you've sown for him, whatever you've sown for God, don't you dare give up on him. Do not think that it's not going to happen. That's a lie. That's the devil trying to rob you of your future, trying to rob you of your harvest. Whatever you've given, whatever you've sown, it will come back. But more than a seed, it comes back as a harvest. When my wife and I wanted to have children, we were in our early 20s, and, and we were ready to have a family, and we found out that my wife was not going to be able to get pregnant or at least not be pregnant easily. So in other words, if she got pregnant, there was a high chance that she would miscarriage due to some things that were in her, in her reproductive system. And um, we were just getting new to the things of God and what God was capable of doing and, and what if we would believe him and trust him, what he would actually do for us. And, um, and so we went to the doctor and the doctor said, well, here's the reasons why that you know, you're going to be careful and because, you know, um, she may miscarriage and she'll probably have to be bedridden to the, the moment she gets pregnant to the time she delivers if she can carry the child and all these different things and stuff. And we walked away a little bit dejected, you know, like, wow, you know, God, we weren't ready to hear that. We were, we were ready to hear that everything's a-okay and we're ready to go. And, and so we had to make a decision. And some of you are in an impasse where you're going to have to decide what you're actually going to believe in this life. That's why Isaiah said, whose report shall you believe? He said, I shall believe the report of the Lord. Y'all needed to shout right there. And we had to make a decision. And you know, I don't think we had great faith. I just think we were just nutty enough to believe that whatever God says is true. And that if God, God wants us to have a child, there's nothing in hell that could stop it. Amen. Sometimes you got to say, hell no. I'm, I'm not cussing here. I'm saying sometimes you got to tell hell to stay up out of your life. Make a decision. Everybody say, it's time to make a decision. And so we made a decision that my, I made a decision as the man in my house. We're going to have a child. And you're going to carry it to full term. And nothing's going to stop it. We're going to lay hands on you every, when you get pregnant. When you get pregnant. I say, if you get pregnant. When you get pregnant. You, we're going to lay hands on that child every single day until that child is born in the earth. 
it's going to happen. And so we begin to pray and believe God. How many knows that we made a decision, but even with the decision, I had to show some action. Come on, someone say amen. It just happened to be one of those tasks I was willing to do. Hallelujah. Practice makes perfect, y'all. Hallelujah. And so my wife became pregnant. As a result, I got my son. I got my daughter. As a result, I've got two grandbabies sitting on the front row today. And I got two additional kids. Come on, somebody. By the name of Max and Anna. Someone say amen to that. God gave us a family, what, based on a decision. The title of my message this morning is Choices. Father, in the name of Jesus, I feel your presence in this place, Lord God. You're going to challenge us, Lord God, and you're going to help us to make the right decision, Lord God. It's our choice. You put it in our hands, and you even let us know what we're supposed to do. And I thank you, Lord God, in Jesus' name, that you're moving with great might and power all across this congregation this morning and across the congregation online as well, Lord God. Help us, Holy Ghost, I pray, in the mighty name of Jesus. Everybody said amen. Turn to neighbor and say, it's time to make a choice. Amen. So church, the choices you make today will become the lifestyle you have tomorrow. Can I say that one more time? The choices you make today will become the lifestyle you have tomorrow, whether it be a good lifestyle or it be a, a, a bad or negative lifestyle. Think of that, church. The power of choice that God's given you that power of choice has the ability to shape your future. That's why you have to be very careful not to strive for, to be comfortable in life. And the American way is to find comfort. It's all about, yeah, I want to work hard, but it's all for a, a means to an end. I, I want to be able to have some sort of, find some sort of comfort in my life. But God never called us to be Americans first. He called us to be believers first. Amen. Children of the kingdom of God. And so he puts a challenge out there, no matter how old you are, to always live on the edge with him. To walk by faith and not by sight. To make a decision or a choice that I'm going to walk with God, even if it, i got to risk my comfortability. Comfort will get you to compromise. And compromise will get you into condemnation. And condemnation will get you into condoning. And condoning will get you into conforming. And conforming will get you into contradiction. And contradiction will get you into confusion. And confusion will get you backslid. All because my goal was to find comfort. But I do thank God that he is the spirit. The Bible talks about the spirit of God is the comforter. But it's to comfort me in my trial. It's to comfort me in my situation. It's to comfort me in the fire that I might be in or the water. The Bible talks about that as well, that I might be in. But it's not to exempt me from those things. It's yea, though I walk through. In other words, I make up my mind. I made up a choice. I'm going through this, but I accept your comfort along the way. My decision is, no, oh, y'all don't want to hear this this morning. My decision, my comfort isn't, my, my, my decision for my, my life isn't to live in vacation land or Disneyland. My, 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 my decisions and choices are that of what? 
destiny and purpose in my life. That my children and my children's children and my children's children's children can have a good life about. I want to preach hard. Let me make this statement. Comfort is the enemy to change in your life. And that's why God will many times stir your life up. And some of you are in a season right now, it's like your life just got stirred up. And he'll make it uncomfortable for a season. He's not wanting you to stay in the same place the rest of your life. So like the eagle that has the baby eaglets will begin to stir the nest. You ever heard the phrase stir in the nest? I remember when I built the big old eagle's nest and preached inside of it. Biggest eagle you ever saw was inside that thing. Hallelujah. And we talked about the fact that the mother has the eaglets and the eaglets can't stay there. He, the, the mother knows that the eagle can't stay there forever. If it, that eagle's ever going to learn to know its destiny and its purpose, she's got to stir the nest up and begin to remove all the feathers and all the, the wool and, and all the leaves and debris so that was making them so comfortable. And now the only thing that's there because she stirred up the nest are the, the, the sticks and, and the sharp jabs that are there and the, the chicks can't find a place to get their ease and, and then she picks them up by the nap of the neck and puts them on the edge. God wants us on the edge. Gets on the edge and then she begins to nudge them forward. No, mama. No, mama. I thought you loved me, mama. God, I thought you loved me. God, why would you be doing this in my life? I wish I had an eagle's nest up here because I look kind of stupid now on the stage. Hallelujah. And she got to nudge them, what? Up out of that nest. And they'll fall and plummet and they'll, they'll kind of they move their wings a little bit, you know, and she comes soaring and swoops them back up. You know, in other words, she ain't going to let no harm come to them, but she knows unless she stirs some stuff up and gets the comfort out of their lives, they're going to depend on her to feed them. But God don't want to feed you the rest of your life. God wants to teach you how to feed yourself. And it's his good pleasure to do it. And one of the ways he'll stir your life up is he'll even send an enemy into your life to do it. Enemies. Don't curse them because they can become agitators that are used by God to readjust your level in life. So when an enemy comes, the Bible says, Jesus, bless your enemies. Why? Because the enemy is going to be used to push you out of your comfort. I'm preaching real good now. Push you up out of your comfort so you can really realize who he is, the strength of your God, and who you've actually been called to be. There's, just turn to your neighbor and say, there's an eagle on the inside of you. You just don't know it yet. Hey, hey, come on, somebody. Write that in the comments, by the way. There's an eagle inside of you. There could be no David without a Saul. And so Saul was jealous of David. We all know this in the Word of God when you find out. And he became nothing but a thorn in the side of David to the point where the Bible says that David was issued by Saul when the story goes back to Goliath. And by the way, there could be no David without a Goliath, which is another story about an enemy. But sometimes the enemy without is not a big deal. As big a deal as the enemy within. And Saul was the enemy that was within. He shouldn't have had to fight his own king because he was loyal to the king. But the king didn't see that. The king saw nothing but an uprising young buck that was, had the position and power to take over his kingdom. And therefore, he was going to squash him at every turn. He even brought him to, into his house so he'd keep a good eye on him. 
The Bible says they came after war, and David did a great job in war, and the people began to sing in the streets and said, Saul has killed his thousands, but David has killed his tens of thousands. This did not set well with Saul. I'm here to tell you that you have to understand, church, that many times God will send a Saul into your life. Not the enemy without, but the enemy within. And they don't even know why they can't stand you. But God will use it so you understand who you really are. And it caused David to run for his life. A javelin was thrown at him. And, and, and they, they sought to kill him and, and to take him and put him in prison and, and then kill him. And, and he ran for his life, the Bible says, after he'd been promised by Samuel that he would be the king. But it didn't come that easy. The promise and the destiny that David had was something that he would have to walk out by faith and work through the process. But he made a choice. I'm going to serve God no matter what. I'm not going to curse Saul. I'm not going to make him look like a bad guy. He had many opportunities to do so. The Bible said he continued to stay loyal to Saul. And the day came that God removed Saul and put David in a position of power. What was that all about? It was about testing David in the valley of decisions. When he had no power to speak up for himself. When everybody else thought he was a lost cause, God knew he had anointed him. Don't tell me that God hasn't marked you in a place that's been private. And nobody, nobody might know the destiny you have, but you got a promise from God. Hang in there, baby, because it's about to come to pass. My God. I feel the power of God in this house today. Church, don't Treat comfort as a destination. It's actually, it will ultimately, I'm talking about comfort, it will ultimately thwart the plan of God in your life. Because it's hard to move somebody who gets real comfortable. I, 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 I want to be a man of God. And by me wanting to be a man of God, what am I doing? I'm saying, God, I want to put you first above all things. I don't want to say what's in my heart or my mind. I want to say what's on your heart and your mind. I woke up at 3 o'clock this morning, three, and she's praying until let her pray until she's getting, she's getting touched by God. I pray for those things to happen. Let her be touched. I'm here to tell you, folks, let me tell you something. I woke up at 3 o'clock this morning. I said, Lord, what's on your mind? What's on your heart? I'm up. I'm tired. I don't really want to be up, but I'm up. And I begin to pray in the spirit. God, I'm my, my whole heart is, Lord, what is on your heart? What is on your mind? I want to tell the people what you want because what I got to say is futile. It doesn't even matter. My opinion matters not in the kingdom of God. It's your opinion that matters, God. We got pastors, and I don't mean to badmouth any pastors, you know, because I love pastors. But they get caught in the race. They get caught up in the game of performance. And if they don't perform a certain way, people walk out the door. And here's me. I'm going to hold the door open and say, if you got to go, you got to go. I don't want you to. I don't want you to. But if you think I'm here just to comfort you all the time and never challenge you, and how dare me if I ever speak a word that challenges you, and makes you feel a little bit uncertain on the inside or bad on the inside. That's of the devil. That ain't God at all. I tell you, when God speaks to me, he challenges me to my core. And reminds me, you aren't right here, son. You got to get this right if you want this in your life. Amen? I would rather have that in my church. 
I may not have thousands and thousands and thousands of people, not to say that those that do have, have compromised. I'm not saying that. But, but, but we could have had a whole lot more had I been nicer about it. But it's a sweet old pastor. Hallelujah. Never say nothing to aggravate or frustrate anybody. Amen. My problem is, by nature, I'm already, I already got a problem. Within three minutes, I've already finished. I came out here and said, masada, and Oh, my God, what was that? This is uncomfortable. It's not supposed to be, but it ends up being that way. Change requires work. It requires determination. It requires focus. Noah was called by God to build something he never heard of in his life. So he would need God to speak to him to get it done. But it still required Noah for it to manifest itself. God said, build an ark. There's rain coming. What's an ark? He didn't know what an ark was. Nobody knew what an ark was. He said, he said, because rain's coming. He said, what's rain? It had never rained on the earth before. The earth always gave forth of its dew and watered the gardens. That's how it was done. And now God said, there's rain coming. He didn't know what those things were. He had to trust God. And God began to give him the strategy and the plan. He had to work hard. He had to work with determination. And he had to work with great focus. And for 100 years, he and his son built an ark. And as a result of that, they were saved, the Bible says. All eight of the family were saved after begging people to get on the ark. And nobody wanted to hear what he had to say. As soon as the rain was gone, the ark had already been built. The, the ark had done its purpose. And the rains uh, begin to stop. And the, and the waters begin to recede. And, 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 and now uh, the ark ends up on dry ground. What happens to Noah? He loses his focus. He loses his determination. He loses his great work ethic. And the first thing he does is get a bottle of wine. And he finds himself in a tent, naked and drunk as a skunk, as they used to say. Hallelujah. And what happens next? He's exposed. Don't allow this to happen in your life to where your work, your determination, and your focus goes awry and you become what? Inebriated with your own self and exposed of what you've done wrong. Look at Ruth chapter 1 verse 6. I said something right there. I'm going to move past and come back. Ruth chapter 1 verse 6. Then she arose, her and her daughter-in-law, talking about, um, uh, we're, we're talking about uh, Naomi, and she, that she might return from the country of Moab for she had heard in the country of Moab that the Lord had visited his people by giving them bread. Therefore, she went out from that place where she was and her two daughters-in-law with her. And they went out on the way to return to the land of Judah. And Naomi said to her, you read the rest. Hallelujah. You know how fast your mind works? Mine works really fast, but not my mouth. Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, go return each to her house, mother's house, the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead with me. The Lord grant that you may find rest, each in the house of her husband. So she kissed them, and they lifted up their voices and wept. And they said to her, surely we will return with you to your people. But Naomi said, turn back, my daughters. Why, 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 why will you go with me? Are there still sons in my womb that they may be your husbands? In other words, there, she was... She had produced two children, men, and they married these women, and now they're dead. 
Turn back, my daughters, go, for I am too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, if I should have a husband tonight and should also bear sons, would you wait for them till they, are, they were grown? Would you restrain yourselves from having husbands? No, my daughters, for it grieves me very much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. Then they lifted up their voices and wept again. Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. One said goodbye. One says, I can't leave. And she said, look, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, entreat me not to leave you or to turn back from following after you. For wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts you and me. You talk about loyalty. I believe that there are moments in your life that you are faced with a decision of destiny. And Ruth is now faced with a decision of destiny. Do I go the way that makes me more comfortable? Do I go where they're giving away bread? Because right here, right now, there's a lot of poverty where I'm at. Do I go where my, I can have family with my sister-in-law and find my husband and start a family? I'm still young. Or do I stay with this old woman where her life is over with? Do I go to a place to be comforted? Or do I stay to be someone who comforts another? By the way, that's what ministry really is all about. People want the microphone, but they don't want to pick up the towel. And he who would be great, Jesus said, would learn to serve. And so she picks up the towel and says, I will not leave your side. The only thing that will make me separate from you is death itself. Right? It was a decision of destiny. And these decisions don't happen every single day. Sometimes we're just so consumed with ourselves that we don't recognize the decision of destiny when it shows up. Other times, we're just not ready to make that decision. But the decision of destiny is a life-altering decision. It's a moment of opportunity that will not present itself again. Therefore, when it comes, we don't want it to pass us by. I would rather say yes and be completely unprepared than say no and miss it altogether. We've got to be prepared to recognize these decisions of destiny when they come and then make decisive choices when they arrive. A decision of destiny is the proverbial fork in the road. Like I said about a moment ago, it's the impasse that many are at right now. It's about a decision. And this is where nobody else has the answer for you but you and God alone. God was dealing with me to start a church back in, uh, uh, back in 1994. And I kept it to myself, and, and I didn't say anything because I didn't want to step out of turn. And I believed in the process of authority that if it was God, then those who were in authority over me would, would, would hear the Lord, and, and there would be a release, and I wouldn't have to fight for anything. I, I believe in that process, and, and that God would just show the man of God in my life, who happened to be my, my father and my mother at the time, that they were the people authority in our lives. But the Lord showed me the only person I ever told was my wife. And I begin to dream a little bit. You know, sometimes you feel a little bit guilty about doing that because you got jobs to do, responsibilities, another ministry. But, but I couldn't help it. I was, I was hearing the Lord. And I said, Lord, I can't do this. I'm going to need to know this is you. I was at an impasse in my life. I didn't know what direction to go yet in my life. And so 
I began to pray. God sent a man, a prophet of the Lord, to Beloit, Wisconsin, of all places. He happened to be in Rockford. And for a couple nights, we could get him. It was, like a, it was just an impromptu decision. My dad made sure he said, bring him on by. And I, re- I don't remember the nights they were, but there were two nights. And the first night, I got to meet him right before I went up. To, I was leading praise and worship during those days. And my dad introduced me to this prophet. His name was Kim Clement. Many of you might know who he is. At the time, very few people knew who he was, back in 1994. And um, he met me just briefly, real quick, and stuff like that. And I, I went, I did my praise and worship. And I'll never forget it. I didn't even know Kim was a musician. But guess who was his musician? Guess what, who was his piano player that was there? Anybody ever heard of Israel Hooten? That was his, that was his praise and worship. I never heard of him before in my life. He was on the front row listening to me. Hallelujah. Singing my songs. Amen. And we have, some of you don't know who Israel. Y'all need to get some gospel music. You know, there's other, there's, you don't always have to shake. You know, you can, you can get some praise on too. There's actually praise and worship. Got to check my church every now and again because y'all get too secular. There's actually praise and worship out there too. I can't preach that too hard because I like my 80s music too. Hallelujah. But my point is, I didn't know who he was. So I wasn't intimidated. I was just happy they were there. And the man gets up and, um, he, uh, I'm going to show you this real quick. Hold on. I got to get to it. It just changed on me. But let me give me just give me a moment to indulge me just a second. And he gives me this word. This is October 17th. It'd be yesterday was 26 years ago, 1994. Jeff, he remember my name. Couldn't believe he remember my name. He grabs my shoulders. He says, the Lord has touched you tonight because your shoulders are prepared for apostolic confrontation. The Lord says, I've not given you these shoulders for nothing. I'm going to give you the apostolic ability to go like a bull in a china shop, and you will go crazy, and they will say, what is going on with him? And you will say, I've come to take down the territorial principalities. I've come to destroy the weaknesses and to break, break their strengths. I'm going to give you, the Lord says, I'm going to give you a divine intervention and a strategy that will take another city as well. Now, nobody knew what was in my heart but God. And my wife. For the Lord says, there's another city on the horizon. We're in Beloit, Wisconsin at that time. That I'm about to take and you're going to take it for me. For you'll be anointed by my spirit fully, says the Lord. I anoint you today with an apostolic fervor. You'll not only sing, but you'll rejoice and you will will say these words. The Lord took me and filled me with a brand new fervor. For tonight the Lord has anointed you with an apostolic defiance, says the Lord. Well... I'm like, whoo! I mean, I'm, I think I fell out or something in the spirit. You know, they got to pick me up and revive me and all that. And I'm, I'm in power. God's all over me. And I'm thinking, that's it. Praise God. I got a word from God. That's it. My dad's going to pull me in the office next week, and we're going to talk and strategize. about what's, and Now, no. It'd be five years later before any of that ever even came to pass. But my point to you is this. God will always give you little mile markers along the road to let you know that you're going in the right direction. Come on, somebody. And God did that for us. And that gave us the ability to go, Lord, we're moving in the right direction. It's a place what? It's a, it's a, a, a decision of destiny. I make a decision, Lord God, that when it's time, I will give everything that I have to make that come to pass. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse number 6 real quick. However, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom of God, ordained before the ages for our glory. 
uh, which none of the rulers of this age knew. For had they known, the devil knew, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man, the things which God has prepared for those who love him. And most people stop right there and say, you can't find out what God was thinking. You'll never know because your eye hasn't seen and ear hasn't heard. But that's not the rest of the verse. But God has revealed them to us. God has opened our eyes to us through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. God will not have you in the dark. God will not have you with blinded eyes. God, open our eyes that we may see. God, enlighten us that we may know what is our destiny. What is your plan? Somebody shout, yes! For what man knows the thing of man's except the spirit of man which is in him? But God knew my heart that day in 1994. Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Now we have, the, we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. These things we also speak, not in words of man's wisdom teaching, but teaches, but though the, the, which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual and so on and so forth. The Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit knows the secrets about your life life he knows your heart he knows your struggles he knows your strengths he knows your weaknesses he knows everything about you and yet he still wants to set you up to succeed somebody shout i'm next Let me just say, information-driven decisions, when it's information-driven, do not lead to a dramatic life change of, de of destiny. Why? Because anybody can research Google and figure things out. we got to trust God that somehow, someway, what he said is going to come to pass. God, if you want me to build an ark, I'm building an ark. But what if we missed our opportunity? What if we missed our opportunity? Well, then we thank God that he's the God of the do-over because God will always give you an opportunity. And that's the good news because God gives us opportunity, what? Through mercy, which is given to us through repentance. That's why this is the hour of repentance for the church. This is the moment that we make things right with our God. Quit being so haughty and prideful and thinking you can do it on your own. Hasn't Corona taught us that we can get hit with things that we never saw, never thought of, didn't think? Nobody prophesied that stuff. And yet what it does shuts down economies, shuts down nations, shuts down our jobs and our world, our neighborhoods and everything. I'm, it teaches us humble before God. I'm coming low before you, God. I mean, I know who I am. I don't got to grovel like I'm not your child or anything. But I come and I come with a, God, forgive me. Jesus came to deal with the sin issue. That if we ask him to forgive us, then he forgives us by his blood. Then he sets up a kingdom inside of us called the kingdom of God. Which does what? Gives us the, 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 the ability to govern our own decisions. So God doesn't make the decisions for you. Come on, y'all. We got to grow up a little bit. He don't make decisions for you. What does he do? He, he causes you to make decisions and whatever you decide, he backs. But he can't back what's not his will. And we believe the Holy Ghost leads us. So the Holy Ghost is leading this church. I said the Holy Ghost is leading this church. I'm not, if I stop following the Holy Ghost, you're going to stop following me anyways. And I'm not in charge of that. God's in charge of that. Amen. 
And we believe in the Holy Ghost, by the way. We believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. We do not tell the Holy Ghost, uh, uh, you know, this is Sunday morning, so, yeah, I know you get a little wild. You have fire in you, and you like to speak in tongues a lot through us, and, and you like to do signs and wonders and miracles, but how will we ever explain that to our visitors today on Sunday morning? And it's only 10 o'clock in the morning, my God. I mean, we're barely up. From, our coffee's barely working right now. So if you wouldn't mind, just go ahead. There's a room over in the back over here. And if you wouldn't mind, just going ahead and huddle back there a little bit uh, until we're done. If I need you, like at the altar call at the very end, I'll have you come. Uh, and we'll, I'll send an usher to get you. We don't duct tape the, the Holy Ghost to a chair, handcuff him, and tell him, sorry. Man, I'd be afraid to, I'd be afraid to death to do something like that. He may never show up again. The greatest thing that the kingdom offers us is control of our own lives. God will not make you do anything. You make the choice for your life. It's miserable to feel that you live a life without control over it. As if God will only do for you what he wishes to do for you, and, and you better wait for him because if, if, if he don't do it for you, it ain't going to get done. And we all were taught that stuff. We sang songs like, waiting on you, <laughs> waiting on you, I'm patiently waiting on you, I ain't worried about the time, but Lord, I seek to find, please Jesus, Holy Spirit, Father, anybody up there, help me, my strength while I'm waiting on you. And then God sings back to us, I'm waiting on you. I've been waiting on you. I'm patiently waiting on you. I'm eternal, so I ain't worried about the time. But I seek to find some faith while I'm patiently waiting on you. God wants to see us make the move of faith. You got to get that education. You got to put in that elbow grease. You got to make that decision. You got to clean up those relationships. You got to clean up that computer screen. He's waiting on you. God gives you the right to decide the future that you want. And he bases that plan and I'm ending here on the first scripture that I gave you when I started, and that is, God will not be mocked. Whatsoever man sows, that he shall also reap. Sowing and reaping. That is why, or let's put it this way, that is the way you get your future. You get, you get what you sow towards. If there's no sowing, there could be no reaping, y'all. Let me say it again. Is, is that like a snake? A rattlesnake just went off there? I bind that spirit up here. Was that weird or what? Was that like a, what was that? It's back there? Oh, it's back there. Yeah, turn it down. I, I was about to rebuke it in Jesus' name. It's like a, I'm going to get you. I'm like, what the? <laughs> no, you're not, devil. No sowing, no reaping. If you don't plant the seed, you don't get a harvest, which means you don't have a future. 
Well, you know, God's in control anyway, so, you know, I ain't got to worry about nothing. No, 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 no. God's not in control. Hold on now, Pastor. Don't you dare say something. Well, we can argue about that theologically, but let's just put it this way. He's not in control of you making your decisions. You've got to make your own decisions. You've got to make a choice. Voting is coming up here. Well, God's in control of everything. That's why I don't vote. 32 or 3% are saying of Christians do not vote. I don't even know if you can register. I don't know if that's past the time or not. But you've got to get out there and you've got to vote. Right? That's just a wonderful privilege that we get to have as Americans. And your ballot becomes your seed. Amen. Amen. Well, I, I bind that poverty spirit off of me in Jesus' name. I bind that poverty spirit off of me. But you keep spending more than you have. You're making a choice. I bind that cussing devil out of me. But you make the choice to keep on cussing. I bind that lust devil off of my life. While you're watching Fifty Shades of Grey. I don't know why I have these thoughts. I keep having these thoughts. Church, sowing is a law of the kingdom that's impossible to break. Like gravity doesn't care who you are, color your skin, how much money you got in the bank, where you live. It works the same way for all. What goes up must come down. That's the kingdom way. Sowing will produce a harvest. So here's the deal. Whatever I want in life, I've got to find the seed on it. And Jesus said, I've given you the keys. The seed's the key. And the key, whatever you bind will be bound. Whatever you loose will be loose. You see, there's a reaction to your sowing. 